0: to a brand new episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast. In this episode, we were talking about development process, really focusing on the pros and cons of, well, really the basic two, waterfall and agile development. Let's give introduction of today's panelists. Augustus, you want to start it off?
1: Uh, yeah, sure. My name is Augustus Yoon and I'm a software engineer at Twitch now. Ooh, ooh yeah, that's changed nice since the last episode.
0: Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. So now you know all the streaming. I guess so. I guess we should be live streaming video right now. We can. We can start a front-end happy hour stream. There you go.
2: I'm Stacey London. I'm a senior uh, front-end engineer at Atlassian.
3: Jim Young, senior software engineer at
0: Netflix. Now I'm Ryan Burgess. I am a software engineering manager at Netflix. In each episode of the front-end happy hour podcast, we like to choose a keyword that, if it's mentioned at all, in the episode, we will take a drink. What did we decide today's keyword is? Planning. Planning. So if at any point in the episode we say the word planning, we will all drink. All right, let's start it off. I think we need to really define waterfall and agile. Let's start by defining those two. I don't even know if I can really define it well, (laughs) so I'm curious on everyone's perspective on both of those they're both software development processes all like, right we can be clear about that's that good. that's true <laughs> it's a good start i've always thought of waterfall as pretty rigid and it literally looks like a waterfall like when you map everything out it's taking all the requirements for a feature and saying need to do this then this then this 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 and this and it looks like a waterfall
2: yeah it's like real um uh, very, uh, like, hand something over to a different group process mm-hmm. where you're, like, spend a huge amount of time writing requirements or um, stacks of requirements even. Like, I I remember early days of, of doing software development, getting, like like, a 100-page software requirements book. Oh, I remember those.
0: <laughs> I don't hate it either.
2: It was, I mean... Yeah, it's interesting to look back on it to see like if there was pros and cons to that. But yeah, so then you get that, and then they'd be like, oh, designers, go uh, make some like static mock-ups maybe that would go with it. And then they would hand it to the engineers. We would code and make the thing. Maybe then you'd hand it over to the QA team, and they would test it, give a bunch of bugs, fix some stuff, and then like maybe... Because it's a waterfall project, it's probably like a year-long project, some slog that's terrible, and you don't release anything to anybody until the end of that entire year. That's and then, valid too.
0: Is it always was those long-term projects?
2: Yep. And you'd have no customer feedback that entire time, and then you'd ship something, and then it, maybe it would work, or maybe it would fail massively. And then uh, also, you probably missed your date by like six months.
0: well you you didn't ship anything so (laughs) and then of course agile is a little bit different it's not quite opposite of it but i feel like agile is is meant to be a little like when i think of waterfalls very rigid obviously agile is a lot less rigid it it's it's supposed to be a little more fluid you don't all have to be working passing over the fence that we can all be working at the same time somewhat what else is agile, though?
3: It's faster. Like, the development cycle's much faster. I think we're all right with Waterfall and why most people don't use it anymore because it's it's a relic of the 70s when it was created, and it's a relic of the days, and I, I feel like a lot of listeners may not know, but the days before web apps when you can push updates or um, instead of building a, uh, a Twitch as, a, like, a web page or a web application, it's, like, a desktop application. So you can't just like continuously push updates. You have one chance to get it right to the user and it can't be bugs. And waterfall is a reflection of that, of these say like you're saying like a year long code or, you know, when they're building windows, they probably used agile or uh, waterfall. Cause like you needed that rigidity. Yep. Uh, whereas agile is like more of an innovation more recently. Um, I say recently like 20, 30 years, but <laughs> yeah, it's like you break the things into a series of steps. You get constant feedback. You still hand things off to other teams, but it's, it's much faster turnaround
0: when you could actually be shipping at that to- time too, is I think that's another point is waterfall typically was that longer term project for software development versus now it's like well could we maybe maybe you don't always ship every sprint but you could like you you kind of break up these things into how do we ship something in production how do we build off of that feature that's now in production and you kind of think about how you can iterate on it very quickly
2: yeah and we can think of like agile too is like we talk about like software development life cycle or like an actual implementation but it's not really an implementation it's like a philosophy they're like philosophical statements about what you value and then like out of that we've gotten frameworks or implementations of it so like scrum came out of that to say like oh if you're if you're not sure how to be agile here's a framework for you to act agile and here's like concrete steps and ceremonies and things that you have to do to like implement the spirit of being Agile.
0: Yeah, because like Scrum is literally a framework to do Agile development, which is kind of interesting. Well, what is Agile? Well, we've taken that and just defined it a little bit more and you follow the Scrum practice.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not sure if this is true, but I think I heard that Agile kind of was born from like consulting companies where like they would work with clients who truthfully did not know what they wanted or they would change the requirements a lot. And, you know, it's like, Waterfall, there's a lot upfront planning. Cheers. 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 We, we needed that one. Yeah, we did. <laughs> Whereas agile, you know, you constantly are showing. It's a very iterative. Like, here's what we have now. Here's what we have now. And then at at those moments, they can be like, "Uh, actually, I kind of wanted this or something. I I, I don't know. I, I, that's just what I heard. No, oh, I mean, I think true. that's
0: interesting because I've worked in various agencies and consulting agencies, whatever you want to call it, and. I've worked in both. I've I've had waterfall, and I've also had very yeah. agile, like following it to a T. Both worked for what we were trying to achieve. I think the one being more waterfall was we were delivering a end product, and it it was a longer term project, and you weren't showing an iterative process. They just cared about give me the end product versus the agile methodology was a lot more in the sense that, yeah, we want to see progress and we're, we're going to demo this, or we are going to launch a piece of this at a certain time. Maybe it was agencies that really pushed that.
2: The, um, the actual agile manifesto that was um, that came out, which spurned all of this was um, individuals and interactions over process and tools, working software over comprehensive documentation Customer collaboration over contract negotiation, responding to change over following a plan. So it's pretty loose and it's yeah. very interesting like how Scrum got so specific about it and like much more specific than that. And some of the stuff that Scrum does is not even really mentioned in the manifesto, but like came out of it, which is kind of interesting.
0: That is interesting because when I think of the Scrum or following Agile to the T, it's that Scrum practice. And it it does actually feel very process heavy a lot you do daily stand-up you do you know your sprint planning you do your stories cheers good
1: good catch
0: it's interesting because it did almost tighten the process that much more where my mind of agile it should be very loose and fluid and less rigid where scrum does kind of make it feel rigid
2: yeah it's almost like i think some companies were when they did the transition from doing like waterfall stuff they're like well waterfall has there's a prescription to it and we know how to do it well we can't just follow these vague you know um sentiments like how do we do it or, or if like you have a lot of people like if you have some giant you know forty forty 40 engineers and like a huge team you know if i think a lot of people want something they like want some boundaries and descriptions of what it actually means I think it's very interesting to for to to not have that. It means that you have people that like are just like naturally collaborative, naturally want to get things out to customers and respond to feedback. Like you don't have anybody that's falling outside of that. That's just like how they work. But then as soon as you maybe have someone that doesn't, then it's like. How do you help them understand how to be that way? And, and maybe that's where Scrum came out of as well.
3: Yeah, I, I guess the the failure of Agile is that there's no end date. So there's no like, this needs to be done by this, because that would break Agile. If you're saying like, these have hard deadlines, it's very loose, which is fine in Silicon Valley world where we have like VC money to burn. But I feel like if you're like a bootstrap company, you need stuff delivered by certain days. You can sell to people and Agile doesn't necessarily work in those type of scenarios
0: i kind of disagree though a little bit more in the sense i think when you put it towards a product company that yes that makes sense is that you're a little looser on deadlines because you're you're constantly iterating on your product it's your product but when i think to gus's point of a consulting agency doing it they do have a deliverable and so they kind of have mapped out to sprints in order to make the deadline of x we got to break it up and how do we make X? And we've, we've agreed to the client that we're going to deliver on that. I think it goes with your point of on the product side, you're loose. You're just like, eh, we can slip a couple days or we can slip a couple weeks, not the end of the world. But I think in that agency world, where you've agreed to a client, if you don't deliver on that, that's they could fire you or you know not pay you. Maybe that's part of the agreement. So I think it, it depends on how rigid you want to be. So I guess it, Agile could be very rigid. I think that's where the Scrum part comes in.
3: I think, yeah, I think uh, sprints are part of Scrum, not
0: Agile i but think you're right as yes. i said that i was describing more of the scrum part which is agile but it's like scrum feels it's very like, rigid it's very rigid which yeah it
3: seems ironic <laughs> you're like oh we're agile but we're also rigid which makes no sense
2: individuals interactions over process and tools is like the, the it's literally process yeah I've it's lived. like defined <laughs> as a process yeah i think like some so waterfall had the um talking about like estimating and deliverable like delivering something there was like the, what do they call it, like the iron triangle or the fixed schedule scope and cost. You've like locked in everything and you say, I promise um, to deliver on this date with exactly this scope and exactly this cost. And like, that was the stuff that failed. Like all these studies of like massive (laughs) software development projects that like could never deliver on those things. And then we're like, Oh, well, if we do let's say scrum and you do store like size based estimating or complexity based estimating and you create You have a team that has like a particular velocity based on their size-based estimating so it's never on like dates or times in theory if you keep that team together and they stay together for a while like you can do um uh like projection you can say like the cone of uncertainty is wide very like a year from now we have no idea of what we can deliver but you know as that cone gets closer to like now you can say Based on our velocity, we can get this far through the backlog. So this many features we can probably do by like May or something like that. Um, and it's always a probably, and you'll know more the closer you get. But it makes companies, and I think and a lot of people are very uncomfortable because they're like, well, I need to know a date. I need to know exactly when.
0: Which is really hard. As engineers, I don't think we've ever been perfect at estimating a direct timeline because there's things that come up, things that you just didn't predict Something changes or, oh, this dependency didn't even think about that. And it happens. And I don't think you can ever predict every little detail. And there's always going to be a trade off and you have to think about those things as you go. Where I think that's where the agile part kind of is like, okay, well, these are some of the trade offs that will happen. Whereas the waterfall mentality is no, no, no. We, we had this plan for years. What do you mean? Why, why are you changing this on me? <laughs> you told me you deliver on this exact deadline this day at this time. And it. It's weird. It doesn't. I don't think it quite works.
2: I think it was like an assumption that like software is like building a repeatable widget or like a, a car or something. Like Kanban came out of Toyota, and the idea of like you're it's like the assembly line, and you're just building a car over and over again. It's like the same you can car. Totally optimize yep. it, and you're like, we're not really building the same thing over and over again.
0: <laughs> no, because even if you were doing a, a website for client A and a website for client B. Yeah, that's not the exact same. It's not just like replace logo here and like, hey, we're really good at this. And it's never the case. There's always nuances that come into play, which is kind of funny because, yeah, right. Repeating the car is like the car is the car is the car is the car. Maybe you even have three different versions of that single car. But you know exactly which, how long it takes for each one of those versions. And you need 30,000 cars. You can easily figure that math out and deliver on that timeline. Wait, yeah. Actually, uh, for viewers who aren't familiar, uh, so what, what is Kanban?
2: I'm not even sure if I'm saying it right. I've heard people say Kanban. Kanban. Which sounds like the American kanban. way to say it. Like Kanban. <laughs> kanban. I, I've
0: heard both and I don't actually know either. <laughs> Just say Kanban. It's the way you said
3: it.
2: Kanban, kanban. I guess. Yeah. Um, I actually am not as, like, super deeply familiar with it. I've used it at one company, but other most places I've been, I've been kind of Scrum-oriented. But common's Kaman, the idea of, like, there isn't a lot of process like Scrum, and it is, you just have a continuous feed of, uh, like, feature work or things in a, like, say, a backlog that is prioritized probably like there's somebody prioritizing it and then you as like a dev are just like pulling stuff in and just constantly working on it and when it's done you ship it and you just pull the next thing off and there's not like a sprint that ends where you say we have shipped a thing it's more just like constant continuous pull deploy pull deploy that's my understanding of it but that was my understanding i think right. that's
0: a good way to put it it's like
3: noted by i think it's japanese for visual card or something like that but yeah it's like a subset of agile but it's noted for it's, the, um, it's visual. So it's like you're moving stuff from one part of the board to another. And that's what makes it Kanban. <laughs> I guess the best example is you remember Silicon Valley? Uh, the show? Just, this, you mean the documentary? Yeah, yeah <laughs> no, that's a good <laughs> way to documentary, Silicon Valley. Uh, there's like a part where they're doing uh, planning and they're moving like yep. um, post it notes from one part of the board to another. Like that's yes. Kanban.
0: Yeah, and, and each of them is taking a—they st- called them stories, call I think. Stories. Yeah, 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 they, they take definitely. it to their desk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
3: And I think that's—and Stacey, you'd be the expert—like, that's what Jira tries to kind of reproduce, but not as visually. But you have, like, cards or tickets, and you close them, move them to the next kind of iteration. I think that's—
2: Well, I think, like, totally.
0: Jira, if you set it up that way, yeah. Jira is super configurable. First time I ever saw it was in a scrum agile environment where I was like, whoa, you can do that with Jira? And it was so beautiful is that you can have cards and you move them to, uh, across the board, is, which is really funny is now that Lassian owns Trello, Trello is like so automatically is, like that, yeah. very much like that. That's true. But you can set up your Jira like that too.
2: Jira, you can say, I want, you start your project off and you can say, I want Kanban style or you want Scrum style. I think there's there's probably much many more templates than that, but that's the idea. And then, yeah, you get your little board and you can make it as complicated as you want or keep it pretty simple and just like to do in progress done. Like-
0: so I'm curious. I feel like I know the answer, but I'm curious, what do each of you prefer, a waterfall or agile environment for software development? I, I think it really
1: depends on like what the team wants. You know, agile only works if like it's it's a very collaborative thing, but you know, I've like been through both and I, I definitely like really see the merits of Agile. I feel like there are a lot of things that you know, one one thing that I remember is, like, in Waterfall, you know, we're gathering specs. We're like, hey, looks good. Um, and then we say, oh, we didn't foresee this. We didn't think about this. Oh, we'll add it as a fast follow. Have you you've heard that term? Like, yep. we'll add yes. it as a fast yep. follow. We'll do it right after. Right after we ship. And then... I mean, <laughs> oh, I feel like I hear that on mobile. a daily basis. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like, like, I can't even recall how many fast follows, like, we've never gotten to because, you know, higher priority things come up. And it's just like, there are a lot of things you can't foresee. Like, it's just like, you, it's really better to just iteratively develop, like start small, get like, identify, like, I, I feel Scrum provides like a really awesome framework because it breaks down, like, pro- it, it kind of forces you to break down projects into sprints, see like what you can achieve. And then as things go on, you can be like, hey, this came up, don't know what to do. All right, let's address it next sprint and stuff. So it's always like, kind of con- like thinking and like, as you run into problems you're not pushing it down the like down the line you're just like alright let's figure out like when we need to figure that out yeah. and then see how that affects like the train and stuff so
2: well, I think that's like they're not the idea is like the spirit of agile is not being followed at that point because it's like responding to change or responding oh, to feedback okay great and point and you're yes. just like so companies are like yes we're totally agile and then they're like <laughs> ship it we'll never readjust it and never <laughs> respond to that customer's feedback.
0: (laughs) I also wonder though, some of those times those fast follows and that you never get to them. Like I think Augustus made a great point on that is that some higher priority came around. Maybe that's okay. Sometimes you've kind of put it aside or we'll we'll make this trade off for now or, or it's a fast follow. There is this higher priority. That's maybe an okay thing is so that you don't get stuck in this mentality that you have to fix this piece or you have to add on to this feature. I think you should be prioritizing your work as a company is like what's the highest value and maybe it's not that right now it's a nice to have I would love to get to it but we only have so much time in the day how do we get to everything and focus on the highest value and the highest priority yes yeah, that's,
3: that's a good point like I in software we probably don't focus on the principle of good enough which we all embrace it because there are infinite bugs and you can be chasing the long tail of things forever but there's a point where you're just, yeah we can throw it on the board but We'll never get to it. It's just, <laughs> let's just, it, it. it's good enough. And that's a real thing. I've never worked at a company with either Waterfall or Agile. Stacy, like you, I've definitely worked at companies that said they were Agile, but I've, I like, most of these processes are unfamiliar. I'm learning from you all right now because yeah. I've never actually done any of these things. So like my general, what's the better approach? Neither. Because like I've done fine and I've never had any of these things. So that I'm obviously very biased.
2: Both are almost like so extreme. Not extreme. They are to each other. They're quite extreme. And like somewhere in the middle is the hybrid that makes sense. Like the one part that I feel like has always been missing from the, the more agile sort of iterative thing is the design process. Some people take it to mean that um, it's so iterative and agile. Like n- we don't need to give designers any time to think at all. <laughs> they just you know, work right beside you while you're building it. And like, that's true to some extent, but like you need to do some thinking sometimes, you know, for like an extended period of time, maybe do some usability studies or research or um, that kind of stuff. And the one thing that I always struggled with was Scrum specifically it was like well how do designers do that deep thinking and deep work like where does that fit into this model and it they don't talk about it at all like that's not in there it's
0: outside of it
2: it's outside of it
0: you maybe do all that before and then outline all the details after the fact yeah which is that's kind of weird because like you would think you would account for that
2: yeah and then maybe it's outside of it and then people get really confused They're like no now we're doing waterfall you're doing all this upfront stuff and but it's like okay well you need to probably do like some of that but also maybe have the designer embedded in your team and working beside you to like refine and respond and adjust but like both are necessary but aren't just very it's very conf- it's not defined very well and i think the entire industry struggles with this and like trying to figure out the good balance there.
0: Yeah, so i think um, it's funny. I, I like that gem. Maybe that's a good thing that you haven't really experienced either of these because i think my answer to this or my thought on it is use what works best for you and your company. I find it hard to believe that either one of them to a T is the best thing for your company. You know, I'm curious to each, especially on Stacey and Augustus, how each of your companies approach the problem. But like, and Netflix, I get often get asked this question in interviews of, oh, are you guys agile? And I'm like, yeah, kind of, but not really. You're, you're pretty like, flexible. Yeah, like we're flexible, everything. And, and and as I start to to describe this, process that i don't even like to really call it a process i came up with the word iterative i feel like shipping and building off of a feature we're iterating we're you know learning and building a better feature and and kind of progressing in on the product but same thing with the process that we're working on it's very iterative it does it make sense for us to have a stand-up daily stand-up week stand-up maybe a weekly meeting you know it depends on the project. It depends on who's involved. And I think as a team, you you kind of try different things and, hey, did that work? Did that not work? Let's try something different. And I think that to me is the best way to describe iterative. And that's kind of how I describe the way that we work at Netflix is it is iterative. It's not changing or it's not the set process. It's we're going to figure it out as we go and what's best suited and we'll learn. Sometimes we'll make mistakes that well, that didn't work. But I have found in other environments that I've worked at where it's very well, you got to follow this agile process. This is the way we do it. it. May not always work. And so I think that to me is how we've always done it at Netflix. I'm curious for Augustus and Stacy how your teams work.
2: Can I ask you a question? Yeah. So in that, how do you do? You get people asking you then say like, when is is this? When is this feature going to be done? Is that are you asked for dates and how do you? in that way of working how do you provide that
0: it's not easy but i don't think it's always necessarily easy having a waterfall or agile to solve that either is that sometimes we we're pretty good at trying to aggressively say hey we're gonna launch this in you know august 15th but things do change like in the sense that we found out there's dependency that needs to change that we didn't account for and and we'll come, we'll maybe come across that next week and we'll say we'll bring that up to the team as like, hey, this this is gonna actually cost us an extra week or two. And as a team, we have a discussion, should we cut some scope to still deliver on August 15th? Or should we just say, hey, we need an extra two weeks and and be realistic with our time and do that? And so as a team, and when I say as a team, it's not just engineers, it's like design and product managers and and you know whoever's involved in this project. Let's have a discussion about it and be realistic. It's not, hey, too bad, engineer. You got to stay all night and weekend to finish this. It's like, no, no, no. Like, let's be realistic. And, you know, maybe there's something that we can cut out and make this a little bit easier and then build off it, iterate on it. Or, yeah well, let's, let's ship September 1st instead because that will give you some extra time.
2: How did that date come up with to begin with? That's the, that's I think is the... Yeah,
0: I guess you did kind of ask me that and I, I avoided the answer on that one. <laughs> it's uh, the hardest. But no, I, I mean, it is hard, but I think it's, we, we try and as engineers look at what's required and what the spec is and what we've talked about doing and we Try and set some timelines and say, like, okay, well, these are the things that I need to do. This is, I need to interact with this team. They need to change this. It's going to take three days on them. It's going to take a month on me, whatever. And we try and come up with a realistic target and deadline, but also being aware that as a team, we're pretty aware that that might change. We're going to try and strive for that, but something may come up and that might be okay and be realistic.
2: And it's probably short too, right? You're not like, oh, we're going to deliver this one year from now. Like you're not doing things that are so big.
0: We actually try and I feel like we go harder on being aggressive on the timeline and then sometimes having to push a little bit further than we expected because yeah, nobody wants to plan for like, (laughs) yeah, we'll get to that. Like it's like, oh yeah, we can get a year. Cause you know what? if you say it will be a year it will be a year like even if you could do it like in two months it will probably take a year because you're like yeah i got a lot, tons of time i'm gonna be on twitter i'm on watching some streams on twitch you know it's like whatever <laughs> you have the time in the world and so you'll fill the time so i feel like we try and be aggressive on the deadline or a realistic and then it might change a little bit too usually what happens is the after design
3: meets and we all agree and everything um the engineer will start working on the project for a bit and then usually like a week or two in the pm the project manager will say hey about when do you think we can have this done let's talk to engineering qa because that at that point the engineer is like a good grasp of it but if you're asking me like to arbitrarily build something and tell you how long i don't know
0: that's a good point like too that. Is, that's yeah very, that's key, that is actually key and that's i miss that part of it is that yeah we're not you have to have a deadline or you have to tell me the timeline up front it's like Give me give me a few weeks to investigate or, or start, and so that we can start to plan around that.
1: Yeah, I guess like I can share my experiences both at Evernote. Evernote has changed changed a lot, probably since I've been there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like at Evernote, like we actually got like agile coaches to come. I think we paid like a lot of money. We had a really awesome scrum master named Monica. She's at Apartment and List now, and she kind of tra- like pretty much changed the entire process. She went into our Jira, changed all of our workflows. So we we're like very very like rigid into like scrum framework um but i guess to like address the question of like deadlines because one thing that she kind of coached us about is like you know deadlines don't there's you can't like a lot of people think agile there's no such thing as deadlines like that's totally not true like you have to have deadlines but usually what happens is like let's say you get a deadline there's some event that like needs to happen for example twitch has twitchcon we might need stuff by twitchcon like we like I think one thing that is a struggle for people moving to agile is there is this sense of velocity. you have like a velocity for your team, and it takes some sprints to kind of get an idea of like what your velocity is. So for us, like at evernote, it's like if we got a deadline like, hey, this state we need this project done they would um Annika or whoever would go back to the team, we would create all the stories of what needs to get done for that project, and then based on like what we estimate, so we went with story points. And she has an idea of what our current velocity is. She can say, okay, here's the here are all the stories. Here are all the estimates. This is their average velocity per sprint. This is what they can get done. So it's kind of like already estimating, like, you know, they estimated that all this work is, like, going to take them, like, six sprints. And this is due in four sprints. So it's either we cut some scope, we add some resources. It's like that's when, like, the discussions start happening and stuff.
0: Yeah, that's helpful too. You see that, and you can foresee ahead. Like, how do we solve this? Cut scope, add people, or (laughs) extend the deadline? Yeah, it's
1: like yeah. Yeah. So it's like really like it like it brings up those conversations earlier. Like saying you know it's like we really have to kind of decide here. Like and generally like it ends up being like one of the two. Like deadline gets extended, or like um, or or cut some scope is cut because truthfully, like adding resources doesn't really always work, right? Yeah. You have to think about like how much time it takes for the engineer to get onboarded if, if they've never seen the code base before. Like you can't just throw an engineer from another
0: team and
2: like- or, or <laughs> Mythical man month or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah. or sometimes yeah. like you
0: can't split up the code easily enough to yes. like to share that. I think that's always to me is my question even when I'm talking to an engineer on my team is like, can we do that? Like, does it make sense in this case if there was another person- how would you leverage them and sometimes it's it's not that easy it really isn't it's like just throwing bodies at it doesn't mean that you can actually move faster
2: just the uh the throwing more people at it thing like the when you once uh, one thing someone had shown me one time was like you draw a circle and you you draw like a little like a, a dot for every person that's on the team and then you start drawing lines in between them because it's is like indicate it indicates like communication lines like how many people you have to maybe talk to or tell something to or keep them up to date on something and as you add more people those lines start to like go up i don't know if it's exponential but it's it it significantly goes up to a point where like it becomes untenable because there's just too many people that you have to like keep in the loop on like what's happening and so Uh, that's part of i I think why like adding more people adds uh, communication complexity and coordination complexity and all of that.
0: I feel like we almost sometimes need to do an episode just on the communication side of things (laughs) as an engineer. I'm serious. I feel like as you grow as an engineer, that is so important. Communication is huge. It will make things a lot easier or actually could really hurt you if it's not good communication. So I think I've seen as, as a thinking of an engineer growing into like senior or principal staff, It's communication is a big part of it. So a question for all three of you who've worked in these sort of environments.
3: To me, it seems like these processes are like predicated on one engineer, one thing. But like in my every, all my experience, that's never the case. Today, I generally have like one or two major projects I'm juggling. And then like 10 or 12 minor things. And then there's like other instances of I mean, I can go through my day to day of like things that I did, but they're all over the place, and it would never fly if I was like, "Jim, you need to deliver on this project by this time." But I'd be like, "Okay," but there's an outage here, and I need to fix that, and I need to fix this because I've been there long enough to have all this experience. So, how does that work in in environments like that?
2: It's such, it's a really good question because again, like the Agile Manifesto, Scrum, like none of them talk about that either. There's there no, is there's they don't. nothing that talks about that. And you're like, well, we have to do support, we have to like respond to like problems there there are things that are not only you building features all the time <laughs> perfect world like no no external things and so the places i've been in have come up with like multiple ways to try and address that um uh things like oh we have like a support rotation so uh one one engineer per sprint their entire sprint is not working on the feature and all they do is do support work. They like it address bugs that are coming in. They're the one that gets, an- um, if someone wants to talk to the team about something or like, um, I don't know, ad hoc requests or whatever, it only goes to that person. So then everybody else can focus still on the sprint. They can like 100% dedicate all their time to working on the feature. And that person's like, they call it disturbed, which I think is kind of a funny <laughs> word for it. Like in Slack, it's like, uh like exclamation point disturbed and, it, and, it, and there's a rotation that's set up in option e or like um to like say like this is the person that gets alerted to that so then they're the only one bothered um and so then it is distributed so it rotates i was gonna
0: ask that i'm glad that it gets rotated because i i like, wouldn't
2: no want to do that no <laughs> wait no. so i i like that
3: idea but it's like put digging a little deeper it's like stacy you have expertise on this subject, I don't know. Hash tables. I'll just pick one. Um, I'm on support. There's a problem with the. Uh, this literally happened today at work. Like uh, the flow build was like running out of memory on the, the hash tables, like over. It, I won't get into it. But so I'm like, I don't have expertise in this area. I'm really good at CSS. So I'm gonna go to Stacy, and we're gonna spend two days debugging this. How does it account for that? Because and like that can just keep going. Oh, we need to pull in Augustus. We need to pull in Ryan.
2: A couple ways, like sometimes um, you have like two people on rotations that are specialized. So maybe one person that's a front end specialist and one that's a back end specialist. And then they are able to like between the two of them, hopefully address everything. But like, yeah, I mean, even that front end person there's still like specialization within that specialization. Like, (laughs) like, (laughs) well, or
0: even, or even features. Like I think that was one that popped in my head is there's people on, on our team. They know that feature really well and like, go talk to that person. They know it like inside and out. And if they're on a sprint plan and now you've interrupted them for half the day, that's half the day that is now taken away.
2: On the flip side, hope, maybe, hopefully like having that rotation, that person might not know it the first time but they'll get exposure to it and you start to like spread the knowledge out across the team and build that build that up so then there isn't like whole like i hate this term the the like bus factor person but like like <laughs> oh, yes Dude, actually no that's a
1: great point there, there was a woman about...
0: on our team that uh said the winning the lottery i is like, like, like better. Yeah, because yes. she always hated that too is like we would say the bus factor and she's like <laughs> if they won the lottery yes. and had so much money that they could just bounce. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I, I kind of like that as a little more positive side yeah.
1: <laughs> to address like kind of those questions about like, so I'm taking my experiences from Evernote. Um, like not that I don't know how Twitch does it. I actually, I don't know. I'm still kind of new there. You're very new. I'm pretty new. So <laughs> hopefully one day I can speak to how they do everything, but at least for Twitch, I, honestly, I think you touched like a really interesting point, like specialties, um, that is like a very interesting thing that I don't know how is handled um so so I'm really glad Stacy was able to bring like put her like perspective into that. But when it comes to like like high priority bugs, like it interrupts like the flow of like, hey, like you have this feature that you're working on, and then like high priority bugs come in like something break broke in the last release. How do you prioritize that at least at Evernote, I don't know how everyone does it. What we did is like at every stand up we would like look through the high like the bugs. And then triage, like, on the spot. Like, yo, this is, like, a bug that's really bad. We need to patch or we need to release or we need to fix this. And so we would, like, immediately story point it there. And we would, like, get a sense of, like, okay, like, how much work is this? And then, like, you know, it's kind of like we would talk to the, like, the PM's there. Everybody's at the stand-up. So we can, like, kind of make a decision right there. Like, can we, like, take the time to fix this and push things out? And you can, like, and, you know, there's, like, ramifications, right? Like, something really bad broke. Um and like it, it might push some things out. So um the other point of like the specialty, at least at Evernote, like we did try to like make it so that there was a lot of cross-pollination of like anybody could do any work. Granted, like some people had more specialties, but I, I think this like goes into why people try to use story points instead of like times or deadline or like how much time it takes a person to work, because like a story point has nothing really tied to that it ends up averaging out in your velocity of like how much time it takes like like if i'm specialized in front end and stacy is specialized in back end like it might take me like i don't know like a really really long time like a week to do a back end work whereas stacy might take her like a day but it's okay because it doesn't change the amount of story points that or the estimate of work there is like but it Ends up kind of averaging out, is what I've been told. Yeah, I, like I don't a, know if you can like.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think so. Like the complex it's because it's a complexity yeah. uh, estimate. And so, in theory, everyone's contributing to that complexity estimate. It's hard yes. for me to like contribute to that estimate when it is like a super back end thing that I'm like, nah, I actually literally have no idea how to do. And I'm like, I'll defer to. <laughs>
0: And then uh, add some time because I got to figure that out.
2: Yeah, but but generally, like I maybe I'm not going to be you know pulling that pulling that thing into the sprint. Working on it, somebody else will. But but that is the idea. Like there is the um, over time averaging out. Like there's stuff will just some things might take longer one sprint, but then less the next, and it's in theory kind of averages.
1: Yeah, it's almost like as your team inherits more responsibilities that are outside of their expertise, it's going to affect their velocity. And that ultimately is going to communicate to everybody that, like, hey, like, yeah, it's going to take them some time to, like, get used to, like, these new tasks that they're not familiar with. But then over time, you know, maybe they'll get better and they can start, like, like working faster and then eventually, like, averages out and stuff.
0: It's interesting because hearing Stacy and Augusta's talk, most of my experience was in a agency or consulting agency. All those uh, working in agile and scrum and and doing that and so you didn't really deal with bugs because you were building you were seriously you I I mean sorry you you dealt with bugs that came up in the project that you were working in but you didn't have a production bug because it wasn't like I owned a product that was out there and living and breathing and customers were using it was more that you were building a product for another company and so you weren't required to have those fly-ins and everything you were just on track to keep going and build the deliverable at the end so it's interesting to hear how each of you guys dealt with that at your companies because i I realized i'm like yeah in a product world where you own this product well netflix i'll say for that it's like yeah something might not work, like login doesn't work. Our customers can't log in. Yeah, we're, we're dropping everything. And to fix that, right. who cares about the latest feature that's going out? That's a super important thing that needs to happen. Or like if security
1: review comes up and like yeah. there are like yeah. high priority security issues, like we prioritize those. Hard like, to account for. Right, yes, exactly. And it's like, you have to address those immediately. And having
2: that like sort of rotation where you have that um, all the people working on the feature in the sprints or whatever, and then you have that person that's like, being dedicated to fixing bugs or responding to emergency stuff. Like a security incident comes in, that person's gonna start working on it and like dig into it. Um it at least shields the team a little bit and lets them like try and focus. Maybe at some point like that thing is so detrimental, like you need many people working on it at the same time and you and you decide that. But um for the most part like that has kind of been a pretty good way to do it. I think
3: that is. I like that. So what Again, no experience in this area. What I'm getting from all of you is these methodologies work if you're a single focus team that controls the entire stack, working on one single thing. Okay. Well,
1: well, so that's also a good point because, you know, there are other teams that involve, like, sometimes you're blocked on other teams. And so, like, there are certain stories you can't work on until, like, a certain dependency isn't done. And so it's like, you just can't, you can't put that into the sprint yet. Like, it's like, we don't have enough. We like, we can't act on this story right now. Like, so it's like, we are going to move it to the sprint when that dependency is finished. What other work can we pick up to like fill up this sprint?
0: Yeah, I think it, I mean, and you can have multiple teams. I think, is that kind of what you're getting at too? Is that you have to all be on the same team or. i
3: more like, I, I, the agency is a good example of where this would work or a smaller company where you're all moving together at the same velocity. But I always like go back to my current experience like Netflix with micro architecture where there's services I don't own and there's services on services that they don't know what they're doing. And so Agile wouldn't necessarily work because it works if the whole company's bought in and you all understand this contract you all have with each other. But if even one team doesn't buy in, then it just throws off the whole thing and the whole house comes down. Absolutely, That's I think we'd
0: even if they're in that case, we'd all have to be following that methodology. And to like Augusta's point, is you might have a story that you're like, I can't work on this because Team X hasn't worked on it yet, and they they have you have to make sure they have the story on their board and that they're prioritizing it, which could slow you down at that point too. I mean, we'd can, still have to up, have that dependency.
3: Yeah, it's more you can end up wasting cycles where you're just like what do I do? Cause I want to start this thing. Cause like it'll interrupt the Oh, don't one. worry. There's
0: tons of stories you could pick up.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'll say in terms of this, it seems like I'm, I'm being more the antagonist towards these processes. I, I don't like process, but I see the upside would be defensive for engineers where if you worked at a company where the CEO is like, guess what? I just sold this big contract and now you need to work on this. You're, and you're like, I was in the middle of finishing up this feature. I can see it as defensive where you're like, no, we have this hard process. You can't just come in and interrupt things, let the engineers be, and not you're not context switching a lot. Yes. I see the benefit in terms of that.
2: To your point about um, just the, like, if you're, yeah, context switching, that's huge. Like, this is protecting that. But then the external dependency stuff is very fascinating. Because, like, the microservices architecture introduces this thing where like you are not on the same team. And a lot of these processes assume you have every single person necessary to deliver the entire feature directly on the team, working together, day to day, next to each other. So like, uh, back-end, front-end, design, QA, maybe a business analyst or a product manager, Like everybody's there, you're just lockstep, you're tiny, you move fast, and everything's like perfect. Sounds but, like, like a
0: lot of planning.
2: <laughs> hey! Oh, we, haven't, we haven't cheers in a while, <laughs> but yeah, like the other thing is more pl- planning, like the external teams. Cheers! Team cheers. Stuff. cheers! Yeah, when you start having like platform teams, so that's something like at Atlassian, where you know there's a lot of platform teams coming out that are producing things that they're not embedded on your team, but you depend on them. So we. um we had to integrate with like an example an editor like a WYSIWYG sort of editor thing and that was a totally different team building that out Um, and we were dependent upon them to like have a thing ready but what was interesting about that is we ended up doing uh, we knew we didn't have enough people to kind of do the work necessary to like integrate and we embedded a person from that team on our team in our sprints to because they're the most familiar with it they built it it's like we don't have the time to like do all the integration work to pull this thing in, but we know we need to do it. We embedded that person. They would do like a secondment or whatever you want to call it, but they came and like worked on our team directly with us. And then they came to our stand-ups and were like, yep, I'm working on this and doing this, and sort of like embedded that person. And I've seen that a couple times where they do that where – Maybe we depend uh, at the, at a financial institution that I used to work for. We depended on a mainframe thing to be done in order for like mainframe. Batch, batch processing <laughs> thing to like work. But we were like, well, have that, have that person like come in and like work on the team in the sprint. Like they're working on something that you require. And then what would happen is like we, we knew we needed certain pieces of data from this a- external team, mainframe team. We would say like, what should we what should we we agree on what that contract should be, and then we would stub it out in the UI. We knew it wouldn't be done in sprint because they were working on it, but we would stub out the the response and the APIs. We would at least agree on the contract, and so we could keep going in parallel. Hmm. Like we knew that what they were building would give us that piece of data at that contract level, and we could build our UI to it. So then we were when we were done, we could like flip our facade off and consume the real right. thing, but still work lockstep to get the thing done, which is kind of, I guess, an interesting approach to it as well.
0: Which is actually kind of similar. Like we'll do that with our backend teams is stub out the data and like yeah. to, to have those discussions yeah. up front. Is so you like don't,
2: You don't have to wait. You have to wait for this external yeah. team and then I can start. No,
0: it's like you have that conversation up front and it's like, okay, cool. This is the contract that's going to happen between the UI and the backend all right, we're agreeing on that. And we go off and we can build that at different times or at at the same time. And then they hopefully tie together. It's not always perfect. There's always little nuances, but you still were able to get a lot faster uh, because of that.
1: This is pretty fascinating. These are really good questions because actually, yeah, I do recall there have been times where like someone from another team did just come to our standups. They reported their progress on certain feature, it's interesting because I, I actually do agree. Um, so I'm still not fully familiar with Twitch, but I've also kind of experienced this. Like Twitch is so large now um, that you know not everybody on our team on the video ad experience team ha- owns like subscriptions or chat or stuff like that, and we have to work with them. Um, and it's interesting. I I don't think I've ever ran into that situation because I've only been there. But I it it does sound kind of like a process failure if they're if you have a project that's due at some time and you have a dependency on them and they have no time to like do it, right? If they don't have any time to do it, there's no way you can meet that deadline because they're a dependency. So that's usually something like, so we have technical PMs at, um they can like help hash it out or like, you know, work with their teams. Like, hey, what's on your roadmap? This is what we need. This is a pretty high priority. And at some point, you know, there's some compromise that like, okay, yeah, they need this. We need... So
0: yeah, but, but I see what you mean. Yeah. As a summarizing before we get into picks is it's tough. Like I feel like there's, you really have to find what works best for you and your team and your company. and, And it takes a lot of work to find what's best. And I think some of these things that we've mentioned, it, it may work for you, but it may not. And I think to me is like, maybe you take some of the pieces and put them together and make what's best for you don't necessarily be too rigid to like the process.
2: Yeah. Like you said earlier, it was like so much is about communication and the people. And when you are able to assess like how your team works and see how they're able to communicate and work as a group, you can adjust how that works to meet their capabilities. And you don't have to have a certain process if people are meeting a certain like capability standard. I don't know. It, you don't, Process is not always necessary. I think it's that's fair. All
0: right. Well, at the end of each episode, we like to share picks of things that we found interesting and would love to share with our listeners. Uh, let's go around the table. Augustus, what do you have for your picks this week?
1: Sure. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I mean, I just started working at Twitch. Um, it's been my, it's like my second week. All you do is
0: watch streams or? Oh, yeah,
1: totally. <laughs> just watch streams all day. Actually, my parents think all I do is play video games. Like, that. that's what they told my
0: brother. It's like, a great job. You Twitch- should like, yeah, I just play video games. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but that's not what I do. I actually do work. But, um, yeah, I, you know, part of leaving a job is interviewing. And interviewing is a really, really tough thing. Um so so one of the things I wanted to kind of give a pick for was um, a company called Carrot. Um I did an interview well, one of the many companies I've interviewed at. They used um a a company or service called Carrot and basically it's a company that, you know, they have their own interview engineers and they will interview you on the company's behalf for the phone screen. And honestly, I think it's really interesting, you know, because as an engineer, I've had to do interviews. I've had to interview people. Maybe I'm stressed. Maybe like I have some due date. I have to go interview this person. Sometimes it can affect like my like reasoning of what is good. So I think it's really interesting to have another service that handle this for you. Personally, like when I interviewed for um, a company that used Carrot, I had a really good experience, and it's really cool. I they the company can customize the interview however they want. So it wasn't just technical questions. They asked me like, okay, here's like. Um, here's um a production issue, like how would you debug it? There it's like there's like a good mix and, and they actually like said like, oh, here are four categories. Pick two that you feel you could answer the best. And they had like the questions prepared for each category. So it's very, very interesting. And the cool thing is they send the recording of the whole video to the manager. So there's no BS. It's not like someone's like, I didn't like him. I'm just gonna like give them a bad review or something they like the manager is ultimately the one that gets to decide that you know what that interview was pretty good and stuff so i want to give them a shout out it's really interesting and then my second pick is um foodie land night market it's uh i went to this night market a few weeks ago for a birthday um there's a lot of good food trucks um really really awesome food um but yeah check and where's that uh it's in berkeley and uh, i think they have three per year um, so I think there's going to be another one in August
2: or something, and we should all go. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, let's see. Tonight I've got two picks, but sort of three. Um, the first one is uh, Tom York just released a new album uh, called Anima. Very, very good as per usual. He's he's like a quite quite an amazing artist. And then on top of that. There was a short musical film that was directed by Paul Thomas Anderson and Tom York that was released as well, and that's uh, on Netflix, and you can watch that. Um, it's just visually, sonically very stunning, very captivating. Um, I was pretty blown away by it. I thought it was amazing. So that's the second pick. The third is um, Holly Herndon. Uh, she has a new song called Frontier. Um, she's an electronic sort of avant-garde pup artist i guess her music's very um genre bending but the particular song is uh, it's electronic pop choir composed of both human and ai voices so she uses artificial intelligence in her stuff she's that is in, so cool it's incredibly like on the edge of like electronic music production and then it's combined with like synth and sacred harp and it's a very like listen to it with your headphones on it it is amazing and beautiful and overwhelming. And you're like, there's A in here, but it sounds like humans. Oh, what am I listening to?
0: <laughs> I'm intrigued. I'm so excited. Jem, what do you have?
3: Uh, I'm going to plus one Anima. It is phenomenal. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Like part of it, like it brought tears to my eyes, you know, where they're dancing. Wow. Like it's just, it's just beautiful. It, it's, it's like incredible, it, especially if you love Tom York. And it's more like I was telling my wife, I was like, How does he keep doing it for like 20, 30 years? He keeps like evolving and it's still good. Anyway, sorry. That's enough on that. (laughs) My first pick for Valley Silicon, the uh, part of the show where I pick things that are just outrageous and they only exist because people have too much money. Somebody sent me a link on Twitter. I don't know if it's one of you or one of our listeners. Probably one of our listeners. It's for this toaster. It's another toaster. It's my second toaster pick. Uh, (laughs) It is a four toast toaster, four bread toaster. Is it bread or toast? If it's, it's bread not,
2: before. It's, uh, it's so bread before, so, bread so I think toaster. four, yeah,
3: but, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or slots. Oh, man, don't, don't throw it. Yeah, that's, that's not bad. You're <laughs> just, <laughs> uh, it is reasonable. The It's a reasonable price of $320 <laughs> <That's> for <laughs> the art of burning bread, which is what you're doing here, your controlled burning bread. Um, it looks nice. So, you know. Is it yep.
2: minimalist? Does it?
3: Yeah, it looks all right. I don't know what you call that. I wouldn't call it retro, but I wouldn't call it Oh, that's either. retro. It's yeah, like I would say retro fit.
2: 50s style. Yeah, yeah. We,
3: we'll link to it in the it's show on notes. on sale for 320. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's on sale. So, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe you a little out of bread. I've not toast in years, so I don't know what what's going on in the internet, but whatever. Uh, my second pick is Dark, season two. Um, Dark is a show on Netflix. It's German- i don't want to give too much away
0: oh the first season is so good
3: phenomenally like one of the best uh cinematography like some of the best cinematography i've seen of any netflix show yeah season two has not been as strong as cinematography but the story is better
0: i haven't watched season two
3: it's worth watching you probably want to read an article on like the recap because it's really confusing but it's probably one of the best shows on netflix and it's in german too and watch it subs not dubs man all day yeah uh, oh yeah <laughs> and my last
1: <laughs> pick
2: Sub, is not dubs
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: i'll be there
1: as an anime weeb that speaks to me okay anyways
0: yeah
3: netflix it's like very there's a very heated battle between the subs and dubs crowd and we both feel very strongly on either side my last pick is pock it's at pock.dev it is a um a better ui for your touch bar on your macbook so uh, it's a way of customizing it. It's much cleaner. It's much easier to use. Uh, check it out. It's free. It's open
0: source. So yeah. I mean, anything can be better.
3: Yeah, really. Don't <laughs> give me that's another episode. <laughs> Next episode is us on MacBook Pros and Touchbars.
0: All right. So I have a Netflix original pick as well. Latest season came out, but La Casa de Papel. I, I kind of don't like calling it the American name, but the American name is Money Heist. The show is amazing, like it's so good. I've, I've watched the first two parts, the third season has just come out, and so I'm really excited to jump into that. And then my second pick is a book, actually, I'm not finished, but I'm almost done, is a book that how to talk so your kids will listen and listen so kids will talk. It's an interesting concept about really how to talk to a child, but the funny thing is, And the reason I'm bringing it to this podcast is, well, one, if you're a parent, definitely read it, but also it kind of goes to the point where this is how you should have communication with others is talking and listening. There's a lot of concepts in it that talking to a toddler, I'm like, yeah, this would work for an adult as well. Uh, So I think it's a really good book, but definitely if you have kids, I, I highly recommend it. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. Make sure to subscribe to Frontend Happy Hour podcast on whatever you like to subscribe to podcasts on, whether it be Spotify, Apple, Google, whatever it is. We'd love for you to subscribe to us, and you can follow us on Twitter at Frontend HH. Any last words? No one picks Stranger Things.
3: That's, that's oh uh, yeah. Too late. Too I, late now.
2: I'm waiting for Josh to come oh. back.
0: Well, I just want to spoil so it all. For, a good partner, yeah, like <laughs> it. so good.